it had already been defeated, but they hadn't officially surrendered and were going to do so, had agreed to do so on October the 1st. But it was going to be symbolic and it was going to be excellent PR for Lawrence of Arabia to leave his Arabian uh, core through and it would also placate um, the, the Arabs and, and, and Muslims that it wasn't Britain taking Damascus, but it was Arabs. The problem was that that call was delayed and their message didn't get through. And so by the time it was meant to be signed off as being handed over, it still wasn't. So when the Australian Mounted Division were asked to move from one side of the city to the other to cut, out, cut off a major retreat route, they thought, well, the city's already ours, we'll take a shortcut. And so they cut through Damascus. The governor, or whatever he was in Damascus, saw the British troops, the Australian Light Horse Brigade, coming through and thought, here's the people that we're handing over to, and handed them the papers. So they took Damascus officially, not Lawrence of Arabia. However, that wasn't the story that, uh, that went out. So the problem was that, that Lawrence, running late, his message that he was running late hadn't gotten through. Damascus had fallen, the Turks were in retreat, but the confusion was in the messages on the coming in, the occupying uh, force. And, and uh, it, I think it was the 3rd Australian Light Horse Brigade that took that city. The messages were confused. It's very important that messages get across to the people that they're meant to get it across to. Otherwise, the people that are meant to take a city don't take the city, some upstart Aussies take it instead, amen? So here in Esther this morning, Esther chapter 3, can we read verses 8 to 10? And Haman said unto King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people, in all the provinces of thy kingdom. And their laws are diverse from all people. Neither keep they the king's laws. Therefore it is not for the king's profit to suffer them. If it please the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed. And I will pay 10,000 talents of silver to the hands of those that have the charge of the business. To bring, in, to bring it into the king's treasuries. And the ting, king took his ring, and the king took his ring from his hand and gave it to Haman, the son of Hamadetha, the Agagite, the Jews' enemy. We'll pause there and we'll pray. Father, we love you and thank you for your word. I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning. I pray for those 
with us this morning that are not yet Christians. Lord, I pray that even this day they would call upon Christ for salvation. And Father, for those of us that already know Christ as Saviour, Lord, I pray that you'd do a work in our hearts and stir us and challenge us to be what we ought to be for your glory. Again, Lord, we pray for Pastor Shavoni as he ministers at Victory Baptist Church this morning. Please use him to be a blessing there. And uh, Lord, we ask your blessing upon that church as they uh, remember their anniversary this day. We're thankful for that church and your faithfulness to them over the years and, uh, and the fellowship that we have together with that church in ministry at times and through the college ministry. And Lord, we ask your blessing there like here on the preaching of your word this morning, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So Haman has come to the king and he's got in the king's ear and he, he doesn't like the Jews. And we're not going to go into all the, the reasoning behind that, but basically a Jew uh, called Mordecai didn't bow down to him as he came through the gate. And because of that, Haman hates all Jews. That's the nutshell version of it. Uh, for time's sake, we won't uh, go into the longer version of it. But Haman's in the king's ear, pestering away, give me permission to get rid of these people. And the king grants, grants Haman his request. He doesn't know who these people are. He doesn't know the specifics. He trusts this man who is his advisor. But we'll pick it up again in verse 13. So Haman goes away and, and writes, writes uh, some decrees and stamps them with the king's ring that he just got uh, in verse 10. Verse 13, And the letters were sent by posts into all the king's provinces to destroy, to kill, and to cause to perish all Jews, both young and old, little children and women, in one day, even upon the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month Adar, and to take the spoil of them for a prey. The copy of the writing for a commandment to be given in every province was published unto all people that they should be ready against that day. The posts went out, being hastened by the king's commandment, and the decree was given in Shushan, the palace. And the king and Haman sat down to drink. But the city, Shushan, was perplexed. I think that last uh, sentence shows us that the king has no malice intended here. He, he doesn't know what, what has just been signed in his name. And we also see just what malice Haman has that he writes this, sends it out and then just sits down to some fellowship with the king. <laughs> He's a piece of work. But we take from verse 15 the idea of our, the title of our message, Hastened Messengers. That these messengers are, grant, are, are, are handed letters from the king to take out into all the provinces. And they're hastening because it's the king's message. It needs to get to where it needs to get. The people need to know what the king has decreed. 
Our first point this morning is we see a message of harm. A message of harm. Anyone who wanted to, according to this decree, was going to be allowed to kill a Jew. They didn't need permission. They didn't need to uh, get council approval. They didn't need to get uh, proof of some grievance between them and whoever they were intending to kill. They just were granted approval. It was already theirs on that particular day. It's genocide. That's what's intended by this degree. That's what we would call it today. Decree, sorry. They didn't need license. They were just allowed to do it. And I want to take that earthly, uh, vicious uh, decree and liken that to our sin nature. Keep your place here in Esther. Go to Isaiah, please. Isaiah 53. Because the Bible is very clear that though this decree from the king was uh, with malice and with ill intent and was going to lead to the destruction and the devastation of the Jewish people, the Bible is also very clear that all of us have a curse upon us. We have a sin nature. The Bible is, it, it makes, uh, makes no excuse for it. It's very clear that all of us have in us a sentence of death. Here in Isaiah chapter 53, look in verse 6 please. Isaiah 53 verse 6. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. The Lord and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Must be uh, something in the air at the moment. The teenagers got a message on sheep last night. I think the ladies' class did sheep this morning and and here we are here being likened to sheep in verse 6. But just in case we miss the point, yeah, sheep go astray, they wander off, but then the final phrase of verse 6 refers to that wandering as iniquity, sinfulness. It's not just innocent perambling off the beaten track. It's sin. Iniquity. Wickedness. All of us, all we, like sheep, have gone astray. All of us have in us a sin nature. That sin nature is abhorrent to God. Now that the decree from the king against the Jewish people was signed in his name representing the wickedness that was in Haman's heart. But God has no wrath towards you or me. But the truth remains that all of us have sinfulness in our heart. There's a message of harm. We are not in the correct way 
We have turned to our own way and in our own way follow sin. In our own way pursue iniquity. All of us are sinners. And so there's a message of harm for all of us. Go with me to Romans chapter, uh, Romans chapter 3, please. We're looking at Isaiah again. So if you've got enough fingers you, and care to, you might want to keep Isaiah still. But Romans chapter 3 for now. There's a message of harm. The difference is the one in Esther was written with vindictiveness. God in love tells us, you're a sinner, so that we can be aware of it. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. That's pretty clear. There is none righteous. No, not one. And my friend, you might be here this morning and no one's ever been that rude to tell you that you're a sinner. And you might be upset by that. I'm not a sinner. Even just some, sometimes the way we react when we get told off about something that we feel is unjustified demonstrates that, that we are not perfect. We don't respond to rebuke the right way. And you in your heart right now might be saying, who is this person telling me that I'm a sinner? Who, who's he got the right to say that? Even perhaps those thoughts right there demonstrate our sinfulness. All of us, the Bible says, are sinners. And this message of harm that was going out through all the provinces of King Ahasuerus' kingdom, the Bible tells us that he had 127 provinces, all the way from India through to Ethiopia. It doesn't tell us the other way, but widthways, that's a lot. The Bible tells us 127 provinces were going to receive in their language this message of harm. That message came with some vindictiveness, some hatred. But God's message towards us has no hatred. Not only are we going our own way, but we're going about it in our sin and in unrighteousness. And that's the problem between us and God. Back in our, in our text, in, go back with me to uh, Esther, please. Esther chapter 3. We see a message of harm, but we also note the messengers are hastened. <clears throat> Esther chapter 3, verse 15 again, please. <clears throat> the posts went out, being hastened by the king's commandment, and the decree was given in Shushan the palace. And the king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city, Shushan, was perplexed. When Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth with ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried 
with a loud and a bitter cry. We see the response of the city is that they are perplexed and we see that fleshed out in Mordecai that he rents his garments in, in just distress for his people and puts on sackcloth and ashes. This message that's going out is a terrible one and he feels it uh, personally. But we note the haste with which the posts go out. They're not going out keen on the message. They're going out because it's the king's commandment. They're going out with haste because of who told them. They don't know what is in the letter initially. This is not a great message to the provinces. But because it's from the king, because it's his commandment, that is what spurs them to ride faster. That's what spurs them with haste. Why? Because the message must go out. Christian, is there someone that you're in contact with regularly who you keep refusing to tell the truth of the gospel to? These messengers are going out with a hate-filled message to tell the Jews of their destruction. But the reality is that all of us are sinners before a holy God. And until we place our faith in Christ for salvation, every individual will be judged for their refusal to accept Christ as Saviour. That is a message that needs to go out. It needs to go out with haste. And all of us, in reality, have people that we, for whatever reason, are not telling the truth of the gospel to. There's no haste. There's no urgency. And yet, God's word is very clear that it, unless a person repents of their sinfulness, and the, we've already seen that all are sinners, the Bible tells us that all will be judged for their sin before a holy, sinless, righteous God. That's not a message of hate, but it is a message that is unpalatable at times. We can't bring ourselves perhaps to tell them because of how it feels to tell them. And yet we have a king, a heavenly father, that has put it in his word so that all would know. Who are we to hold back? What if we, that one on the camel that's going to province 125? But we've heard from others that what is in it. And we think, I, I can't take that message. Who am I to deliver this message? No, it's the king's message. It's not the messenger's job to decide whether the message goes or stays. They're a messenger. And if a messenger doesn't deliver a message, they're a thief. They're a coward. They're all sorts of things, but they're not a messenger. And Christian, you have a message to tell. There is a message to tell those loved ones people we randomly come in contact with, friends, that might be random too. There are people we come into contact with regularly 
that we don't tell the gospel. When we go out as a church, soul winning, not everyone's there. Now in reality, if all of us came, that would be a headache for Brother Chris. Let's give him a headache. We have a message to tell. There is a message that needs to be told. Can we go back to Romans, please? Romans chapter 5. You might be here this morning and you say, well, I, I, I'm not a Christian. And so this message is for you. It's our privilege to share this message with you this morning and to talk further after the service if you would, if you would uh, allow us. Romans chapter 5, please. Look in verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, we were unable to deal with the sin that is on us in our own ability. When we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for who? The righteous? For the good people? What does it say? For the ungodly. Because remember, all of us are sinners, so all of us are ungodly. Christ died for the ungodly, for scarcely for a righteous man would one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The truth of the gospel is not that we need to clean up our lives and become acceptable to a holy God. The message of the Bible is that each of us are sinners. And before a holy God, we remain unholy. And yet, God in His graciousness demonstrated His love towards us. That He says, you're sinners and you can't do anything about that, but I can do something about that. He demonstrated His love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's a message to hasten to those that don't know about Christ. That's a message that is our responsibility, Christian, to tell people. And if you're here this morning without Christ, that's a message that you need to hear, that you're a sinner but Christ died for you. That is the very solution to your sinfulness that demonstration of God's love while you were unholy. He died for you while you were unclean. You were still in your sin. But Christian, are you that messenger astride your camel or if you prefer a horse or an ass? I think it tells us they went on as well. I think I'd rather go on a camel. When else can you ride a camel? Are you that messenger astride your camel that is not hastening? Are you not urgent with the message 
that is yours to grant, to give. But we note again the effect that, ha- that happened in, in the capital with this shocking news. The capital were perplexed. The people were troubled by this news. And rightfully so. Just like you and I, when we first heard that we were a sinner. That's, that's troubling. And for those of you that have only just heard it, don't feel, um, don't feel like you're alone. When I first heard that I was a sinner, it didn't go down well either. And continued to trouble me until I placed my faith in Christ for salvation. That's God's plan. But the effect in the city, as we go back to Esther, please, the effect in the city was that people were troubled by this news. And Christian, who are you telling? If you're not telling people, they're trying to work out their own solutions to their problem. But God has a solution. See, again, as I said, for time's sake, we're just going to touch on passages in Esther. But what happens after uh, Haman's message goes out is he gets found out for the duplicit and, and dodgy advisor that he is. And he ends up being hanged on his own gallows that were planned for somebody else. And we pick up the story in Esther chapter 8, please. <clears throat> Esther chapter 8. <clears throat> Esther chapter 8. And now that Haman is off the scene, there's still a message out there that needs to be dealt with. But the problem is, in, in uh, Ahasuerus's kingdom, when a decree is stamped by the king's rule, uh, ring, it, it can't be undone. That D-Day is still coming. Esther chapter 8 and verse 7, please. Then King Ahasuerus said unto Esther the queen and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and him they have hanged upon the gallows, because he laid his hand upon the Jews. Write ye also for the Jews, as it liketh you in the king's name, and seal it with the king's ring. For the writing which is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's ring may no man reverse. And so the plan now is to write some other law that will not wipe out the other one because it can't be done, but will somehow prevent the other one from being acted upon. Verse 13. And so they write such a a decree... Verse 13, And the copy of the writing for a commandment to be given in every province was published unto all people, and that the Jews should be ready against that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. So the posts that rode upon mules and camels, there there are only two options actually, you can ride on a mule or a camel, they went out being hastened and pressed on by the king's commandment. And the decree was given at Shushan, the palace. 
So we've seen a message of, of, uh, a message of harm and we saw that messengers were hastened. Now thirdly, we see this message of hope that goes out. Because now that Haman is off the scene, the enemy is gone and, and some other message can go out. And so now it was legal for the Jews to take the lives of those that were going to kill them. Now, I don't know how that really played out. I'm going to kill you. No, I'm going to kill you first. But we read later that it did work in the Jews' favor, that those that were full of hatred towards the Jews either didn't show their hand or when they showed it, their lives were taken from them. Go with me back to Isaiah chapter 1 now, please. Isaiah chapter 1. Because all of us have an enemy as well. Haman is off the scene. And there's a message of hope for all of us. And we've said that we're all sinners. We've seen that. And we've said that Christ died for all. Here in Isaiah chapter 1, please, verse 18. God says in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be wool. We're all sinners, God says, and we're not going to deny that fact. That is still true. And yet, God has another solution. That truth will remain, just like the first message went out from Shushan, that, that the Jews were going to die. And in the same way, God says, you're still sinners, but though your sins be scarlet, there is a new message. They can be as white as snow. As we take the righteousness of Christ onto us, and our sin was on Him on the cross. This message doesn't undo the first. That first message remains in action. Come with me now to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, please. The first can't become undone. It's true that we're still a sinner. But we can be saved from it all. We can be saved from its effects. We can be saved from its consequences. And it can be white as snow. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore being justified. Romans 5, 1. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Our sins are still sins, but they are white as snow. How? Because in Christ, we are justified by faith. 
and we have peace with a holy God. A sinful person can still go into the presence of a holy God because the blood of Christ is applied. It's a message of hope. Once our faith is placed in Christ, only then are we justified. Only then are we excused for our sinfulness. And the reality of that first message is still in play. I remain a sinner, and yet I've been saved from my sin. Christian, there's a message of hope that needs to go out. A message that must reach those people. Think about these riders that are urgently pressing further and further, and seeking to to uh, further to uh, to get that message of harm undone. Yet now, in many cases, those same messengers are going out again with this message of hope. And perhaps the first town they come into with that message, they don't know what it is. But when that message is read in the town and they hear it for themselves, they hasten further, faster on to the next town and the next town because they need to know it. And now the messengers know that there is a message of hope. And Christian, there is a message of hope. Those around us that are dying in their sins, they don't know what Christ did on the cross. They know he hung there. They don't know why. They don't know its significance to them. They know, don't know that it has any bearing on their sinfulness or standing before God. As we said at Easter, you read the newspapers or, or hear them interview the, the rascals that are in the, the big churches in the town, in, in, in city. And they'll just say, oh, he died for a righteous cause or he's a good man to teach us morals. Baloney, he died for our sins. And they need to hear that message. Are you telling them? Or have you just stopped to change camels in the camel refueling station and hoping that they take a while to get your next camel? Are you hastening to tell them? Who is there that you're not telling? They need to hear. There's a message that needs to go out. It's a message of happiness. Keep your place in Romans. We'll be back here in a moment. One more passage in Esther, please. Esther again, chapter 8. Esther, chapter 8. And again, I plead with you this morning, if you're here without Christ, let us sit down and, and, and speak with you about this this morning. Because the reality is we are all sinners, and yet there's a solution to that sin. And God has provided the only way for that to be dealt with. Esther chapter 8, please, verse 17. We see now the message of, of, of happiness. Verse 17. And in every province and in every city, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, the Jews had, a, had joy 
and gladness, a feast and a good day. They just had a good day. (laughs) I like that phrase. And many of the people of the land became Jews for the fear of the Jews fell upon them. God used this to turn many people to him. This message of happiness, gladness, joy. They had a feast. They had a good day. When this message arrived, there is a solution to the terror of the first decree. And that solution, when it came, just brought gladness and joy. Let's take our final passage in Romans, please. Romans chapter 10. Romans 10. Romans 10, verse 13. And this is, verse 13 is is the culmination of this message of hope. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not if they've cleaned up their act because Christ died even for the ungodly, while we were yet sinners. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 14, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written... How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings and a good day. Glad tidings of good things. People need to be saved from their sin. They can't be saved, verse 13, they can't be saved until, verse 14, they've believed. They can't believe unless they've heard. They can't hear unless there's a preacher. That preacher can't be there to tell them so they can believe unless the preacher's sent. Christian, is your camel ready? Are you hastened on the king's commandment to tell people about Jesus Christ? Have we gone cold, Christian? Have we gone numb to their plight? Nothing's changed, but if you're no longer burdened for the unsaved and their need of Christ, nothing's changed on their end, nothing's changed on God's end, something's changed on us, in us. We no longer have the urgency that we once had, perhaps, to tell others about Christ. Family members are hard, but they need to hear. Neighbours need to know. 
Strangers need to hear. Everybody needs to hear this message. 127 provinces. That's a logistical nightmare. But the message needed to get out there. You have people in your life that might know about their sin before God, but they're trying to deal with it some other way than God's way. You need to tell them. You have others in your life that don't know that before a holy God that they're a sinner. They need to know. That message needs to get to them. What are you doing about it? Are you covering up the truth from those around you? You know how we spoke about General Allenby and Lawrence of Arabia and Damascus? Remember the Australian Light Horse Brigade went in and, and took the papers that was the Ottoman Empire's surrender. They were just taking a shortcut. But two and a half hours later, Lawrence and his Arab brigade did come through. They were who were supposed to take it. And yet, officially, it had already been handed over. But Lawrence was announced as the one who had taken Damascus. And having taken it, he was the one that was paraded around as the one, and his Arab corps were the ones that were congratulated with taking it. The reality was they'd agreed the day before to surrender. The reality was somebody else was handed the papers. But it wasn't the PR stunt that was meant to go off. It should, the glory needed to be Britain's and geopolitically it, needed to, it was going to look better that the Arabs take Damascus. And so there was a cover-up. Unless you read the diaries of the Australians, there's almost nothing on the fact that they took it. There was a cover-up of what really happened with the message that didn't get sent. And the reality is, Christian, if we're not telling those around us without Christ of their need, we are covering up the King's message. And it's not getting to those who need to hear it. Let's bow for prayer.